Welcome to the Pooch Parenting Podcast, a podcast for parents with dogs. I'm Michelle Stern, a certified professional dog trainer, mom, and former teacher. Living with kids and dogs at the same time can feel like a circus. I know because I lived it too. Join us as we interview a variety of experts and parents to discuss topics that will make parenting with dogs easier, safer, and less chaotic. Also, you can love living with your dog again. I'll always keep it real, which might even mean that you hear the messiness of life in the background on occasion, but at least you know you're not alone. In this episode, I interview my friend Debbie, who's the founder of KAD, Kids Around Dogs, in the UK. She has a very special protocol for how to help children who are fearful of dogs, and we talk about that among other perks of working with families with kids and dogs in this podcast. I'm sure you're going to love it as much as we did. Enjoy. Debbie, we finally are getting a chance to talk, and I could not be happier. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I This is such a fun conversation. So Debbie is a friend of mine from social media because we run in similar circles and we both have a similar topic of passion of focus. We both focus on kids and dogs. And so Debbie is the founder of Kids Around Dogs in the UK. And Debbie, why don't you introduce yourself? And then we're going to dive in because you have a really special focus that nobody I have ever met has. And we're going to help so many people. Uh, So thank you. Yes. So I am in the UK and that's why we we have never met, so it's great to at least be able to meet each other online. <laughs> but one day I might come all the way to California to meet you. <laughs> um, so I am the founder of Kids Around Dogs, and Kids Around Dogs is an association of uh, dog trainers and or dog behaviorists um, in the UK that uh, we're all force free trainers and qualified and with experience. And we concentrate uh, on helping families with children um, to raise their dogs to live in harmony with the kids. Um, But also, um, and that's the little special thing if you like, um, I have created a protocol to help children to overcome their fear of dogs. I find that a lot of families are worried about so many things when they're raising kids and dogs at the same time. Some of it is literally just the the sanity of the parents, that they're just overwhelmed because it's like living with a Tasmanian devil, that the kids are unpredictable, the dog is unpredictable, somebody is always getting into trouble, and if it's not the child, then it's the dog. Um, And they just need support and compassion from somebody who gets it. And you're a mom and I'm a mom. So we both understand what it's like. Um, You and I, before we started recording this, were joking that we were, well, I can speak to myself at least, but I was sort of a judgy person before I had children. Like, oh, why don't they have their dog under control? Why don't they have their kids under control or whatever? And then of course you have your child and you're like, oh God, I am so sorry for judging you because now you're in their shoes, right? Um, But I also feel that parents are worried uh, because they don't want their dogs and child to have a relationship that is um, unhealthy or that causes fear uh, one way or the other. And that fear can come from a variety of things. So let's start there. Let's talk about fear, what it is. Like when a kid is afraid of a dog, is it just a phase where some parents are probably thinking, oh, he'll just get over it, right? 
what does it come from? And let's start with that, I guess. So um, to, to kind of like introduce this, I kind of like to tell you why um, I started the protocol or I decided to, to build this protocol. Um, my daughter is nine years old, she's Molly, and um, she, she was born with dogs around. So to her, it was just normal to a dog around and she never had a problem with this. But then she started being a bit older and invited her friends over for play dates and all that. And I've never realized just how many kids were scared of dogs. She had some friends climbing on, on their mum to run away from our dogs oh. um, or climbing on top of the stairs or the, the, uh, asking you, crying that they needed the dog away. I've never realized just how, how difficult life must be for, for a child in a way to go around the world and seeing dogs everywhere because dogs are everywhere. They are in, at least in the UK, you're allowed to take them to the pub or uh, some restaurants will allow it. A lot of shops might have it now because of maybe assistant dogs and stuff. And um, they're everywhere, the streets, the school gate, everywhere. So with a child who is scared of the most common animal that everyone has in the whole world, I can't imagine living a life like, like that, basically. And then I started noticing, being a dog trainer and behaviorist, I started noticing how a lot of parents were adopting dogs to help the child to overcome the fear of dogs. But actually, the kid lives in a house with the object of their fear there all the time. That's so stressful. I mean, it must be, yeah. You know, I can't speak for their experiences. I've never been scared of dogs myself, but by looking at the you know these children how scared they are to live in their own home or to go and visit a friend or even a family member it must be it must be a nightmare it must be a nightmare so i decided right okay let's uh, let's do something to help these children i couldn't find anything else of value around or nothing specifically for dogs there are a lot of great doctors that specify in in fears and and other phobias but I, I couldn't find anything that was specifically for dogs. Um, and they also covered not only helping the children, but helping the dogs as well. Because very often we put dogs in a situation they don't want to be in. And that's not fair on the dogs as well. So the protocol sees um, uh, helping children, but also keeping an eye on how uh, dogs feel. So we can help both species as such. Um, so, and I've noticed by uh, by talking to parents first and to the children as well, how fear really comes um, from different things and it exhibits itself in, in different ways. Um, I find a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the times, um, the fear of dogs is due to the fact there's someone in the family. It might not even be that a family could be also a family member from like extended family or a friend of the family that is scared of dogs uh, because something happened to them. Maybe they've been bitten when they were little or or they had a, a, a nasty experience anyway with a dog. Or maybe they watched something on the news that had, you know, a, a dog accident involved. So then they refer it to the children. And some children are simply more um, sensitive than others. And they take that information, process it in a way that sticks with them. And that 
is what develops the fear in those children. Some children, you can tell them, oh, at the end of the world is near, and they just go, poof, it's fine, whatever, let's go play Lego. But some instead are really, yeah, stays with them. Um, so that's what I found the most, that um, it is someone within the family telling them they should be scared of dogs. And yeah, so my first, <laughs> my first point there would be, if you grown-ups out there are scared of dogs, don't tell the children. <laughs> Basically, first advice. If you're scared of dogs, keep it to yourself. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, some children can get really affected by um, someone else's experience. It, that didn't even enter into the realm of possibility for me that it's contagious, essentially, right? Yeah. And that yeah. you are, you're loading the deck against you, against everyone by talking about all the things that you're afraid of. I know that growing up, my mother always talked about how terrified she is of heights. And, you know, when we would go hiking, there were certain places she would refuse to go because it was too high. Um, same thing with claustrophobia. Like, you know, she was just terrified. Even if she had to get um, like an MRI or something, she was terrified mm -hmm. because she had to be in this machine. Um, and it's really interesting that you pointed out that some people are impacted by hearing about that. Like it didn't really bother me so much to hear her say that she didn't want to be stuck in a small space. I mean, I don't like that either, but I don't, I think it's just because I don't like it, not because she mm -hmm. predisposed me to thinking that that was a terrible thing. Um, I just assumed that many fears came from a bad experience, which I'm sure many do. Yeah, well, that can also be the case, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. But, yeah, from what, you know, from my researchers and then the kids I also work with, the biggest percentage of, of answer is that someone in the family has oh, to to the child and not told them. Um, and like I said, it could also just be a friend of the family. It doesn't have to be, you know, mama, dad. Right. Um, what I is grandma. <laughs> Someone's grandma that gets involved somehow. Person trying to to help the child you know he's trying to protect them in a way but by protecting them to do something they are actually putting them at risk of something else so it's yeah it's bittersweet so I think that it's then there's an important distinction between teaching a child about dog body language for example and saying mm -hmm. Wow, did you notice that that dog's ears just went back? I think he's worried about something, as opposed to saying, "Get away from that dog. He's freaked out." Right? I think yeah. that, that the words that you choose to use then would be really meaningful in terms of supporting both the dog to say, mm -hmm. "Let's back away slowly because we want to relieve the dog's stress," mm -hmm. then saying look out, he's coming after us because he's afraid, <laughs> whatever. No, it's exactly that. In fact, in the protocol, um, when uh, when I teach it to the children, we go through dog body language. Obviously, basic things, <laughs> we don't expect them to to know every single detail by the end yeah. of that. Um, but they'll be able to spot some signals. And uh, as you say, it's about, it's how you word it. If I were to scream because I see a, a dog, um, I don't know, the white of the eye of the dog, which is a sign of stress. Oh my gosh, let's run. That's not gonna help anyone. <laughs> no. 
not even, you know, not me, not definitely not the dog and certainly not the child. So how you word things and how you feel yourself um, about things when discussing it really does help uh, the children and grown-ups who I would expect. So it seems that um, body language as a part of your protocol is just empowering, right, to a child to recognize how the dog might be feeling because then they can have some empathy for the dog that, wow, the dog is just as scared of me as I am of the dog. I mean, that must be a really powerful feeling, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I also find that when, I think it's because I'm, I'm not, I'm a foreigner myself. I'm, as you know, I'm Swiss. So when, uh, when I moved to the UK at a very young age of 19, um, everything was new I didn't speak the language so I was scared and I admit I did cry for the first couple of weeks um because I didn't you know I did not anything so um the fact that I I think I can relate to that the unknown uh as in I don't speak your language I don't know what why you're moving a certain way why you're saying certain things that is the same thing as a child seeing a dog or any other animal and not being able to understand that animal. So that the fear of the unknown in that respect is is the same as the fear of dogs because you just you just don't know what they're on about. Um, so by knowing certain things, some body language, even just the basics, can be uh, extremely helpful. When uh, when I uh, work through the protocol. Um, I use the body language, but I also um, never highlight the fact that there is a fear anywhere. Uh, the word scared or fear, I, I really try hard not to use it um, so that the child doesn't think about, I am scared of this dog. And if they mention it, I either like pretend like I didn't hear <laughs> and we just move on. <laughs> just move on to something else. Um, or... I kind of twist that sentence around so that instead of concentrating on the fact that you're scared of dogs, look what you can see instead. Like when we talk about the mouth of the dog, instead of thinking about a dog uh, licking you or a dog biting you, look, you can you can see that um, a dog with his mouth open and his tongue gently resting at the bottom of the mouth is actually a good thing. The dog is happy. Oh, look, he's smiling. Can you see he's smiling? So we we highlight the good and try to avoid um, discussing or concentrating on the bad. So I have a question then, a follow up on that. So if if we don't really acknowledge that the child is afraid of the dog, how does a parent bring up the subject that they're going to work with you? Like, what's the topic? Like, what are we doing with Debbie? Um, what are we working on? Like, because if a child is afraid, they're going to think, oh God, like, I don't want to work with the dog lady. Cause then I have to be around the thing I'm afraid of. So how do you even word it to a child that you're going to work together? If we don't talk about yeah. that. Um, I have a chat first with the parents. Very often the first uh, conversation, the child is not even there. And we, and I go through, um, getting to know that child, you know, what does it like, what, the, what are his hobby, what is his way of thinking, um, and kind of get to know him or her better before uh, before I even talk to the kid. Um, and also the age and, you know, what kind of uh, social life 
do they have and things like this. So get to know the kid as much as possible. And very often, I also don't stress it to the parents, you know, they have a hard job as it is. We, we know as, as being parents ourselves, you got to, not only you got to look after your kids, but you got the house, you got work, and there is so much to worry about that I try to give the parents um, the, the least amount of stress possible. So we go through things together. We go through a questionnaire together that helps me to understand the, the, the point of view of the kid, if you like, and the family environment. Um, and uh, if he's an anxious child, if he's not, what kind of and health, health as well, health-wise, if maybe there are some other health issues that we should be considerate of and stuff. So I get to have this questionnaire fill out while talking to the family. And then um, I send them a webinar that I've, that I've created on the language of dogs. And I send that to the parents because I, I always say they can have a glass of wine while watching me on a screen. <laughs> and, uh, and then they can start getting to know dogs with that. Um, and I also don't, you know, I always tell them, don't worry if you can't watch it all or if you can watch it in bits, it's fine. But it gives you an introduction to that life. Um, and then we dive into the kids. So I don't ask the parents to be very careful or not to use a word or not to use another because they have so much to deal with as it is. Uh, what I do ask of the parents is to be supportive of their child, to never dismiss what they say, because what they say and how they feel is really important. This is how we're gonna help them. So if we, if a child says, oh, I'm scared of, uh, of dogs because uh, a dog could jump at me, and they go, oh, don't be silly. If you dismiss what the child feel, you lose some trust from the child's point of view, and he will feel like he's less, uh, less, um, um, I should say maybe less clever in a way, or, you know, he will doubt his own, mm. his own, feeling, right. his own uh, person as such. So never dismiss what the child says, but at the same time, never highlight the fear. Okay. So that I do point that out, try not to, you know, make it too much of a big deal, but at the same time, don't just, dismisses that, that you're being silly and that's it. What right. I do do as well is actually talk about um, dogs and I show them pictures of dogs. And when I do meet them in person as well, uh, one little thing, I give them a little present that has a dog on it, <laughs> like completely dog obsessed. <laughs> so by the end, they'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I know dogs so much now that I can't <laughs> be scared of them anymore. <laughs> that's great. I like the positive way that you deal with that. Yeah. And I've interviewed some other parenting experts on the podcast. And um, one thing that is very consistent across with mindfulness coaches and therapists is honoring how they're feeling and not dismissing it. So exactly like what you're saying. So it's so valuable for families to be able to work with someone who understands both the dog side and the kid side, because you're really able to to hone into those little subtle signs that the dog is giving of stress, but you're also very supportive of the child and acknowledging, wow, that must be really hard. You know, what are we going to do about it? You know, I think that's wonderful. Thank you. I think he's, I must say, I think he's always easier when he's not your child. <laughs> yeah. I think we all need, we all need parenting, coaching and support at some point. Right. That's really good. Um, so I have another question here. So mm -hmm. do you find that it's harder 
to help a child get over their fear of dogs when they've had a negative experience specifically versus that it's some sort of idea that's been pre-programmed into them by the in-laws or whoever. Um, Do you, in terms of a timeline of, I mean, obviously it's just like dog training. You can't guarantee anything. You can't say, I guarantee you'll be over this in X amount of time. But, but I am curious, like, do you find that it's, it takes longer for a child to feel more safe um, when, you know, they've had a bad experience versus, you know, they're just hearing it socially or on the news or whatever? Um, I, the answer is going to be a bit disappointing in a way because <laughs> it really depends on, on the child. So it, it really depends as well on the on the state of mind and, again, the, the health of uh, the child in itself. There are quite a few children that are uh, in the spectrum of autism in especially in, in this country, there is quite a lot of this. And uh, so I find that a lot of my clients are autistic. So that um, might also affect the way they feel about dogs. For instance, um, one of the most common thing in autistic children is that they are scared of dogs, not so much of the dog in itself, but they're scared of being licked by the dog or they are scared of the fur of the dog because if they touch it, or if they are licked, as some children have been, um, their sensory is different from uh, another child. Um, so they actually feel, they can actually feel pain if they are licked by a dog or if they are they touch the fur. So they have a different uh, um, feelings system, on their skin. Basically, yeah. their brain is telling them to react differently, yeah. For those children, for instance, it could, in some cases, you might think that it might be more difficult to get over it. But actually, it's been surprisingly good with them as well. So, um, yeah, I can't I can't say whether one experience would um, affect all the children in you know in a certain way because yeah because really they're all different. And also it depends also on the parents. The the help through the protocol, the help of the parents is invaluable. I can't stress this enough. Like if a parent is there and you really help the child and is really there to support them and they go through the task every week, the child will get a task to do, a game to do. Um, and if the parent is there helping out, you know, the, the uh, chances of uh, success are higher. I love that you mentioned um, children with autism because I get asked a lot by parents who want support. Are you comfortable working with children with autism? Um, because I think I think that most people who are not in the education field are not experienced with kids who are who have a range of um, neurotypical or not neurotypical, you know whatever wiring. I'm wondering with children with autism, do you find that there is a difference in their ability to read facial expressions in people and dogs? A lot of children uh, who are autistic were able to translate better uh, the facial expression of a dog into or other body language into other animals as well, uh, more so than just uh, a um, from a dog to a dog. So if uh, if a dog, for example, turned their head away, 
the dog probably doesn't want that interaction. And they could generalize it more so they could say, okay, dogs turn their head away, cats turn their head away. Oh, that might mean the same thing. Oh, um, cows turn their head away. That might also mean the same thing. So I found that autistic children were able to move those signals into other species and not just keep it into dogs. Some children are scared of other animals, not just dogs. That is really interesting because I do think that a lot of body language is generalized across species. You know, I um, after college, I studied uh, primate mating behavior in uh, Puerto Rico <laughs> on an island which I have a lot of stories I can tell you about monkey mating behavior. Um, But this is is not an explicitly rated podcast, so I won't get into it here, but we can talk about it privately later because you can imagine. Um, But let's leave that aside. But, but there are patterns in behavior. So um, the, the monkeys I was studying rhesus macaques and they, um, primates and and for anyone who has studied or even watched even a Jane Goodall movie, she of course studied apes and not mm-hmm. monkeys. But um, the chimps and the monkeys that I studied both do this thing they call an agnostic pucker, which is just like what dogs do, an agnostic pucker, mm-hmm. which is that 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 face where it kind of looks like they're going in for a kiss, but it's got teeth showing where it's it looks kind mm-hmm. of angry and. Um, and that face across species is very consistent. You know, that when a dog is perhaps at the fence and somebody is going by and the dog just looks like it's ready to kill somebody, they have an agnostic pucker often. And um, the monkeys that we studied, uh, if another male came too close to their female, for example, he would do an agnostic pucker as a threatening gesture against another male monkey to say, excuse me, she belongs to me. Um, get away. And and you see that in chimps as well. So I love that these children are so perceptive that they are able to generalize across species. That's brilliant. Oftentimes kids struggle with so many things that mm-hmm. instead of being frustrated about how hard something is, it's wonderful to be able to look at progress, you know, and yeah. like, you're brilliant. How did nobody else yeah. know this? Like we have to teach your parents. Right. You yeah. just figured out something amazing. And I think, oh, they might just say in it because they've been polite. No, no, I mean, it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's brilliant. You know, it's uh, but some things they come up with. It might have been even a little thing, but it was something I didn't think of. Or is yeah. something new or is something creative. I'm like, I love this. I'm, I'm going to use that again. Kiddo. <laughs> so it's it's brilliant. I, that, I think that's why I particularly like working with children because it's it is always something, you know, interesting. There's a lot of breakthroughs. And um, the people who know me really well know that I can be a crier um, and a, like a happy crier, not just a sad crier, you know? So like yeah, if yeah, something yeah. really cool happens, I'm just like, oh God, <laughs> like I just, I get very emotional when, when there's a breakthrough and people think it's really funny. Um, my kids love to make fun of me for crying for stuff. So, um, but I do think, I do think that parents truly appreciate um, having their children be seen, like really, truly seen, and also to have us be able to point out triumphs that they themselves perhaps might not have noticed because they're in the trenches every day and they're tired and they're sick of it and they're only seeing the negative. We can all do this where you get this tunnel vision and 
you know, as dog professionals too, we see this a lot where, where people are just so frustrated with the dog in front of them, um, that the dog is what they wanted. And it turned out that, you know, I wanted a dog who could sit out at cafes with me and my dog barks at everybody going by and what am I going to do? And, and they focus on every negative thing that the dog does, as opposed Mm -hmm. to um, celebrating the fact that the dog actually sat there for five minutes without barking at anyone. Little, I think baby steps and having a cheerleader like you or like me is what so many parents need, I think. Uh, so yes, so if you go on www.kidsaroundogs.co.uk, uh, uh, um, you can find uh, an, uh, an approved trainer in, uh, in your area if you're in the UK. If you're outside of the UK, uh, you can get in touch with me on uh, uh, kidsaroundogs at gmail.com. Or like I said, if you go on the website, then you can get in touch um, Directly, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like seriously, everywhere. Perfect. Okay, great. I will link to all of those resources um, on the show notes page. And um, you're going to be such an amazing resource for people if their children are afraid of dogs and they can either work with you or one of your approved trainers to make progress Mm -hmm. and help your kids and dogs both feel safe living together. Thank you so much, Debbie, for your time today. I really appreciate um, talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it was wonderful. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Pooch Parenting Podcast on iTunes or on the podcast app of your choice. If you're looking for ongoing support for your family with dogs, be sure to get on the waiting list for my Thriving Parents with Kids and Dogs membership at www.safekidsanddogs.com. And don't forget to follow Pooch Parenting on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening.